Good morning. Well, I hope you have uh, survived the Christmas and maintained your spirit of Christmas. Uh, of course, you know, I have to... Uh, I have to say, you know, I'm in the retail business, so I'm kind of glad for shopping sprees, you know, <laughs> that uh, I commented the, there were several people in yesterday, and, the, you know, when, by the time it gets down to this point, you know, when you're just days away, uh, they start getting a little uh, frantic, I guess, might be the word, but uh, uh you really almost don't have to sell it. I mean, it's just like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I get it? Can I get it today? You know. So they're just they're just ready to uh, wrap up that uh, Christmas deal. You know. So, but I hope that we can uh, look past all that and uh, and see what Christmas is really about. So we're going to talk about that for just a little bit this morning. So let's pray real quick before we start. Father, we just thank you, Lord, so much for your son, Lord, that you sent to us, Lord, that we're going to read about today, and I just thank you, Lord, for the anointing on your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word is powerful and it is active and it is alive, Lord, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and I pray, Lord, that our hearts, uh, Lord, would receive that which you have for us today, Lord, that we would... Uh, that we, we, we would take it inside us, Lord, that we would uh, live it, Lord, that we would live out your word in our lives. And we just uh, praise you and we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to look at uh, a very familiar story. I mean, most of you, if you've, if you've uh, been in a Christian household and you've been through Christmas, then you've uh, heard the story. Uh, uh, about the shepherds uh, outside of Jerusalem the night that Jesus was born. And uh, so the first thing we're going to do, this is in Luke uh, chapter 2, and we're going to read uh, verses uh, 8 through 20. I'm going to panic there. I went to tap my, looking for those glasses. Boy, I'm going, oh, if I ain't got those, I'm in trouble. Okay, it's going to be on the screen. Uh so uh, follow along with in your Bible, or it'll be up there. So starting in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Okay. Uh, yeah, when I read this, you know, like I said, first, the first thing is I thought, wow, how many times have I read this? I've read it so many times over the years and uh, heard it read and uh, but there's some things I just that kind of struck me as I was really studying and kind of digging into this. Uh, in the big picture, uh, one of the things that kind of occurred to me was the the stark difference between the human Jesus and the divine Jesus. Because if you look at the story, if you look at the humble, uh, you know, barest of, of means, uh, you know, being born in a, in a stable and being laid in a manger feed trough, if you will, uh, you would think, uh, how can this be the Son of God in these kind of conditions? No, no, royal, no royal entry, uh, no crowd of servants, uh, taking care of him, no comforts, you know, beyond the feed trough lying in. and uh, But then on the other hand, we have angels and we have the glory of God and we have a heavenly host uh, announcing this in the most tremendous way. And so you look at it from that standpoint, you say, how could this be anything but the Son of God that would be? Uh, announced in such a way and so the stark difference uh, between uh, the two natures of Jesus that this uh, being God and being man so okay uh, just we'll, we're going to go along and kind of look at this uh, from a uh, in a kind of story fashion I guess uh, so we have in verse 8, we have these shepherds uh, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And I thought, I wonder why he chose these shepherds. I mean, if you wanted to make a, uh, a big media splash, if you wanted a big announcement, uh, you know, you wanted the word to get out about something, in those times, uh, would you would shepherds be your choice of uh, of uh, an outlet for this? Because they weren't priests, uh, they weren't elders, they weren't part of the religious community. They were not educated. Uh, they weren't in the social in crowd. There was no uh, journalism degrees, no mass media uh, majors. Uh, no Facebook account, no Twitter, you know. They, uh, you know, but these were just hardworking, uh, everyday, blue-collar, out-there-doing-their-job kind of guys because shepherding at that time was a pretty common 
occupation. I mean, if I ask here today, how many of you are shepherds for a living? Well, uh, but if you in this side crowd at this time, uh, at this time when Jesus was born, uh, if you ask how many people were shepherds, uh, about half the room would raise their hand. It was a very common occupation. Uh, most of the shepherds uh, were not the owners of the sheep. Most of the time they were hired by the man who owned the land and owned the herds of sheep or whatever. So, but uh, there, was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of shepherding that went on at that time. That was a major part of their economy. And God has always shown a, uh, a favoritism toward shepherds. Uh, if you look... Uh, you know, back in the Word and just a couple of the things, you know, when Moses, uh, Moses was out keeping his father-in-law Jethro's sheep when he encountered the burning bush and was called to lead the children of Israel uh, out of the land of Egypt. Uh, when Samuel was told to go to the house of Jesse to find a new king for Israel, uh, they lined up all the sons there and he went down to each one, and God didn't uh, say anything. And so finally he asked, well, is there any more? And they, oh, well, yeah, we got David, but we'll have to go get him because he's out in the field keeping sheep. So uh, uh, one of the most memorized scriptures in the Bible uh, probably starts with... Uh, with uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, Psalm 80 says, Hear us, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth. Revelation 7.17 uh, For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, he will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And 1 Peter 2.25 For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Notice the capital letters on shepherd and overseer. So God has had a... Uh, God shows, has shown favor, and, and all through the scripture we see the reference uh, and the, uh, the comparison made to Jesus as our chief shepherd, as our good shepherd. And so uh, all through the Bible we see this. God uh, recognized that caring uh, quality that these shepherds have to have to watch out for these sheep and also we're pretty much the sheep all through the whole thing which is not really the because sheep really aren't the brightest bulbs on the tree but uh, <coughs> uh we're kind of compared to sheep quite a bit and i guess i have to say i fit that sometimes uh but the bottom line is that i think when i really look at this i think god is showing us besides his his uh, his uh, lean, his favor toward shepherds, but God uses regular people. These guys weren't, any, there weren't anything special about them. Uh, they were just out there 
doing their job. Uh, these were not elites. Uh, these were not uh, religious uh, in the religious establishment. These were just regular old folks. Uh, and I came up on that, and when I was thinking about it, I just, uh, this scripture came to mind in Acts chapter 10. Uh, then Peter began to speak. I realized how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. Uh, God didn't show any favoritism then. He, don't show, he doesn't show any favoritism now. And just regular old people who are willing to do uh, a job is the kind of people that he calls to do them. And that's what he called on these shepherds to do. It doesn't matter where you're from, what color you are, male, female, how much money you make, what your social standing is, how much education you have. It really doesn't matter to God if you're willing to do a job for him. And so <clears throat> people will always say, well, you know, you don't really know what I've done and where I've been. Well, you know, it really doesn't matter to God because everyone in this room was born into sin and every one of us were going to the same place were it not for this child that's about to be born in this scripture. So, Let's let our imagination kind of run rampant here just a little bit. Uh, just follow along with what's happening for just a second. So here we have, uh, we have these shepherds. Don't know how many exactly. We just know there's more than one because it's plural, shepherds. They're sitting around at night doing whatever shepherd. I mean, you know, they, they still, most of the, most of the sheep have laid down maybe and, you know, maybe there's one uh, every now and then or something. But for the most part, it's quiet and uh, they are sitting around talking shepherd talk, whatever, you know, uh, wow, boy, I had to get that same lamb out of the bushes today and, oh, I, I broke my staff over somebody's head or something, you know, whatever whatever shepherds talk about. But, uh, and we know it's, because we didn't have, uh, you know, they may have had a fire, possibly, I don't know, it's, it's summertime, because this is taking place, what, because they're on the other side of the equator, so it's summer down there. We're, we're winter here, but there's summer there, so it was summertime, and, uh, but nonetheless, we don't know uh, exactly when suddenly, or it says, an angel appears, and we don't know what angel this is. It doesn't say Gabriel. Now, I've read some stuff. Some of the stuff I was studying said, well, because he had gone to, Zach, uh, Gabriel had gone to Zechariah to tell him about John the Baptist, and Gabriel had gone to Mary uh, to tell her uh, about Jesus and what was happening, that it would seem logical that this might be Gabriel, but it doesn't say that. It just says an angel of the Lord. So uh, we don't know what angel it was, but it's an angel of the Lord. And uh, there in verse, uh, when it's telling about this, it says, uh, it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them. I don't know how bright the glory of the Lord is, but 
I'm willing to bet it's pretty impressive. Uh, so, as you might, as any of us might be, the next uh, the next little phrase gives us a hint. It says they were terrified, and this is pretty much standard reaction to angels. There are a few uh, there are a few exceptions to that. Mary being one of them, uh, she was a little upset about what he had to say, but it does not say she was terrified of it. But so these guys, these angels, what magnificent creatures they must be, but they're obviously kind of scary looking. Uh, or at least maybe it's just they're so big, or maybe it's because they're hovering up in the air, or whatever. But, uh, but standard, uh, almost what, almost the first words out of almost every angel's mouth when they have an encounter with human beings is, don't be afraid. So that was the first uh, word. Uh, that the angel says is, well, don't be afraid. So picture this now. Uh, you know, keep this keep this running picture in your mind. Uh, the angels are sitting out there. All of a sudden, an angel appears. The glory of the Lord. Like I mean, like I guess like somebody turned on the stadium lights. Boom, and it's and it's bright. I mean, you know, and they're like, oh no, something bad is fixing to happen here. But the angel uh, reassures them. And uh, and says, "Don't be afraid." He says, "I bring good news." In in verse ten, do not be afraid. I bring good news. But for today, for the Christmas spirit, uh, this is the only time of the year that we get to use the word tidings. You know, we don't use tidings anymore. But except for when we, you know, tidings of comfort and joy. Uh, or, and we sang tidings in one of the songs that we sang this morning. So we get to use that just during this time. So because I don't think Channel 5 is going to change over to the, you know, the tidings at 6 o'clock or anything like that. So we only get to use tidings right now. So we're going to use glad, we're going to use glad tidings. But the angel says, I've got glad tidings. We've got, we got good news. And we've got, uh, and not only that, this good news is going to cause great joy. And not only that, but this great joy is going to be for all the people. So here we have angel in an angel voice, uh, these bright lights uh, telling the, the shepherds, don't be afraid. I got good news uh, that's going to be great for all people. And so I'm willing to say at this point in time, he probably had their undivided attention. Uh, I, I think that uh, they were riveted on, uh, on this angel and, and what he had to say. So what did he tell them? Uh, what are these glad tidings that's going to be so great and cause great joy for everyone? So the first thing he says, he says, today in the city of David, which anybody, any Jew, any Israelite at that time would know that the city of David was Bethlehem. He said, <clears throat> he said, today in the town of David, in verse 11, he said, your a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Have you ever... come to that point 
or do you remember that point when you realized that you needed a Savior? Do you still? Look at yourself. Maybe I'm the only one to do that. Does anybody else look at themselves in the mirror and talk to themselves? I see one hand back there anyway. <laughs> uh, you know, there are times, and I'll look in the mirror and I'll say, what is wrong with you? Why, why do you act like that? Why would you say that? Why would you, why would you have that kind of an attitude? What, what's wrong with you? And, you know, I, I, I think about, obviously, Paul had the same problem from time to time because in Romans chapter 7, uh, Paul said, I'm, par I'm paraphrasing here, but basically Paul said, uh, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do is exactly what I end up doing. And finally, he gets down in verse 24 in chapter 7. He said, oh, what a wretched man am I. Who will save me from this body of death? He's being born right here, this Savior that's going to save us. Because what's wrong with us, we can't fix. We can't read any books, no self-help, no turn over a new leaf. <clears throat> we need a Savior and one being born right here in this story. A Messiah, the Lord. So, if that wasn't enough, back to our story, back to the, back to the shepherds, the light shining, the big angels telling them all this, and now it says, suddenly... In verse 12, uh, 13, suddenly a great host, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel. So now, like, I assume suddenly is like, boom, like they weren't there, and then now they are. I don't know how many a great company is. Sounds like a lot. Uh, a company in the army, what? 150 or so. Oh, this is a great company. But, uh, but a great company of heavenly hosts appears. You know, and I don't know how well these guys sing, but I'm thinking it's pretty good. I'm thinking they can really sing. I mean, this is right out of, right out of the heavenly host, it says. So I'm trying to use my imagination as best I can. You know, I'm one of these shepherds and, and angels and, and heavenly hosts and, and shining lights uh, is, all, uh, is all going on. And so, I mean, it, it's, it's, wow, how glorious it must have been. I mean, they went from one minute sitting around into the dark and now a magnificent creature appears. Uh, the Shekinah glory of God is shining all around them. Uh, a heavenly host is putting on a praise and worship session 
right out of the throne room of grace. And I don't know, uh, I would be willing to guess that it was the most amazing, beautiful, wondrous thing that these guys had ever seen. So, what was the heavenly host saying? Well, in verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. You know, I listened to that, and, and I guess to me, one word really just stood out because I can remember uh, in different times in my life. Uh, in Psalm 42 and 1, it just starts off with, as the deer pants for streams of water. And I can just remember times in my life when I was so thirsty for peace. I needed and wanted peace in my life. Desperately. Not and have you ever thirsted for peace in your life? Have you ever wanted peace with God? Peace with yourself? Peace at home. Peace with your spouse. Peace with your kids. Peace with your parents. Peace at work. Peace with your boss. Peace with the folks, your coworkers. Have you ever longed, I mean longed, for peace in your life? A peace that passes all understanding, that guards your heart and your mind? Peace. We read, Becky read, Isaiah <coughs> chapter 9, verse 6. One of the names, wonderful counselor, everlasting father, mighty God, prince of peace. I'm so glad he brought peace. Okay, back to our guys. All this is going on. The choir is singing, but they finish. They sing their last chorus, and they're. Go I think. I think just as quickly as they were there, they're gone. And so now, the light has faded away. All the angels are gone, and our shepherds are left standing in the dark, looking at themselves like. Whoa, what just happened here? And I think maybe a moment went by with just disbelief all over their faces. And finally, one of them says, let's go. And I think maybe one of the, maybe not the brightest one of the bunch, he says, where? Well, we'll tell you. In verse 15, it says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And I think that's uh, just one interesting part. We don't have time to run this down, but 
uh, it's interesting to me that when the shepherd said that, uh, it says, which the Lord told us about. He didn't say that the shepherd, or that the angels just told us about, which is who just told them, but he says, it says, that the Lord told us about. So I think there's probably no doubt in their mind that this was a message from God, that this was, uh, that this was not just uh, a random appearance by angels. Uh, this was a message to them from God. So they're standing there. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the shepherds said, let's go, let's go. Uh, my grandfather was a wiry little guy. Uh, we lived, I lived with him for a couple of years when I was growing up. He was a live wire. He, I don't think he ever slept past about 5 in the morning, ever. Of course, he went to bed at 8 o'clock at night, which <laughs> makes, it, makes it much easier. But I can remember now, I can still uh, hear him. If we were getting up to go where at fishing, working, whatever we were getting up to go, uh, you would still be in the bed, and he would open up the door, and he would say, let's go, let's go, let's go. That was his, that was his good morning to you. But... Uh, so I just thought about that when I saw the let's go thing on here. So uh, so one of them says, let's go. And at that point, would you think that they were any of the shepherds who said, uh, uh, you guys go ahead, I'm just going to hang out here with the sheep? I don't think so. I think everybody at that point took off for Bethlehem which was not very far away. They were right in the hills, right outside of, out of Bethlehem. You know, when the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us, uh, when we're convicted and, and we know and we hear Jesus calling us, we need to hurry. We need to do just like these shepherds. Uh, we need to stop whatever we're doing, and we need to go meet our Savior. There are times in our lives, in all of our lives, I think, and you, you know it only because you know it. You know that God is speaking to you in whatever form it is, probably not heavenly host of angels, but maybe it's that still, quiet voice but God's speaking to you, and we need to stop and go find our Savior, just as these shepherds did. We don't need to let anything uh, delay us or detour us uh, or get us off track. Because if we'll do that, just like these angels found, or just like these shepherds found everything to be just like they were told, we'll find Jesus to be everything that was promised. Everything that the Bible has told us Jesus would be, he'll be that and he'll be more. We'll not be disappointed in our Savior. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work without, 
he can do more and will do more than we can even think about, than we can even imagine to ask him. Jesus will be everything we want to be, and we need to, when that opportunity presents itself, we need, we need to stop whatever we're doing because it's not more important than going and finding our Savior. So back to the narrative. So now they take off to Jerusalem. I think, uh, so they find the stable, which I think lots folks, when you start reading this, make out like it's a cave. We, we think barn, but because that's what we see in the nativity scenes. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. I just uh, They came running into the stable. They're probably out of breath, probably got a pretty wild look in their eyes. And uh, they see Mary and Joseph probably gazing over into the manger themselves. And they ease up and they look over into that manger. Behold, our God, our Savior, our Messiah, the Lord. 4,000 years of Bible prophecy. I'm glad you like that. <laughs> uh, 4,000 years of Bible prophecy fulfilled before their very eyes. From the seed of the woman who will crush the head of the serpent in Genesis to our Passover lamb in Exodus uh, to our shepherd in Psalms to our prince of peace in Isaiah laying in a feed trough. I wonder if there's any way that those guys could truly comprehend what they were looking at. Could they look that this God-man who was going to change the course of history, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Just as a matter of doctrine, I, just, I thought about this when I was studying this. I've heard, not a lot, but I've heard some people say or ask or wonder, I guess, you know, could Jesus be God? when he was three hours old, when he's a helpless baby, totally dependent on someone else to do everything. Could that be God in that form? Uh, absolutely, overwhelmingly, yes. That is God. When those... Uh, when those shepherds eased over and looked into that manger, they were looking at the second person of the Trinity. Uh, God cannot but be God. No more than someone who is not God be God. Does that make sense? Am I making sense here? God is God, and everything that was true about Jesus when he was talking to his disciples and he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, uh, everything that was true when Jesus uh, was in his ministry, when he was 30, 
three years old. Everything that was true then was just as true when he was three hours old. God, the very son of God, lying in that trough. So back, that was an aside. Back to the story. So I think at that point, I think after the shepherds gazed over in there, and I think Joseph and Mary were looking at them kind of like, where'd you guys come from? And I think maybe they exchanged stories. I mean, I don't think there's any way that they parted ways without the shepherds telling them what had happened and Mary and Joseph telling them what had happened and how this all came to be. Uh, I think they, uh, I think they praised and worshiped and, and uh, exchanged these marvelous stories. And I think finally one of the shepherds probably says, hey, guys, we really need to get back to the sheep because there ain't nobody out there watching them. But uh, so I think they did that. And uh, it says at that point that, that when they, as they left, it says that Mary uh, treasured up all these things in her heart or treasured them up and pondered them in her heart. And uh, which is what we should do. Uh, and so finally, the last two things, after the shepherds left, uh, after they had uh, hurried off and found Jesus, and when they had seen him, in verse 17, uh, it said, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And so the last two things that I see, and this is pretty predictable if you... Uh, if you go ahead and read the rest of this. But uh, the last two things that I see that should come very naturally to us after we have looked upon Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, I think one of the first things that they did and one of the things that we should do is spread the word because they are now witnesses. They didn't have any degrees or doctorates in theology. Uh, they just went, it sounds like, and told everybody that they ran into what had just happened. They just shared the word. Just what they had experienced. And so, my question is, and I'll just ask this of myself, because I need it uh, more than anybody in here, and that way, uh, and that way, you don't feel like I'm preaching at you. So I'll just ask this. I'll look in the mirror and ask myself this question: Bruce, are you amazed enough? Are you convinced enough? Are you appreciative enough to tell somebody what Jesus did for you? I saw something the other night that stuck with me. I went outside. We, the shop was closed, and I locked the doors, And I, but I was waiting on Gina for something to bring something, and I was having to wait. She said she'd be there in a few minutes, and it was 5.30. It was dark, just just gotten dark, and uh, got my truck, cranked it up, and let it warm up. It was pretty cold, whatever night, Tuesday, Wednesday night, whatever night it was. 
and uh, I was sitting there in the truck. If you know the intersection of Highway 71 and 45 right on top of Rye Hill, you know what I'm talking about. It's a pretty busy intersection right there, a lot, a lot of traffic right there. And uh, I looked, uh, I saw across all the way across 71 into the driveway of the convenience store that's on the other side of 71 from me, and there was a dog running back and forth. Well, you can tell what he's fixing to do. Well, sure enough, he got across, he got across the uh, northbound two lanes. Two cars had to stop and let him go. Made it to the center. Ran back and forth to the center right there. And then finally, amazingly enough, he comes, makes it over to this side, over to the west side of the road. And uh, just as he did, there was a car that came, had come down 45, come up that little curve right there before you get right to the light at 71, and they saw the dog. They pulled off to the side of the road, got out of their car, two of them, a man and a woman, uh, and started calling the dog. They sat down on the ground. It was cold. Uh, you know, they sat down on that cold ground, and it took them a little bit. You could tell the dog was, didn't know them and was a little shaken or whatever. But anyway, they finally convinced the dog to, uh, to come over there to them. And they petted it and anyway loaded it up in the back of their little SUV. And I assume probably we're going to go and try and find out who it was or, or whatever. But I guess I just sat there and I guess and I pondered that for just or what I'd just seen. And I thought, I'm touched. I mean, I, I don't know what they were doing. They might have been on their way to dinner, or they might have been going Christmas shopping, or, you know, they had a Christmas party to go to, but they stopped what they were doing because they cared enough for a dog that they didn't know to keep this thing from running around out in Highway 71. And I guess it just occurred to me that uh, there was a time when spiritually I was running around out in Highway 71 and somebody took the time to tell me about Jesus. How he took the time to come down out of heaven and endure being humbled as a man and dying on the cross for me. Lastly, in, uh, in verse 20, wrapping it up, it says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So the second thing uh, that I think ought to come real natural to us after an encounter with Jesus is we ought to be praising worshipers. <laughs> you know, uh, if you've been saved, if you've been changed, if God has had any effect on your life whatsoever, uh, you know, if, if, the, if the miraculous change that happens when you walk out of the darkness and into the light uh, it should it should be a pretty natural.
praise and worship will be a pretty natural thing in your life. Hunt Ed, don't you think? Amen. Uh, you know, so I just want to encourage you today. Start today. Uh, give it a little. Give it a little try here in just a minute. Uh, you know, just uh, don't don't worry about the clock. Uh, don't worry about who's beside you. Lift up your hands and praise God for what he's done for you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you love us the way you do. We just thank you, Lord, that you cared enough about us. Lord, to come down to this earth, Lord, to walk on it, Lord, and to die. But we're so glad, Lord, that you were resurrected. We're so glad, Lord, that you gave us power, Lord, over sin, over death, over the grave. Father, we just praise you today, and we love you, and we just, Lord, we just Celebrate, Lord, in our hearts and our spirits and our souls, Lord, this time where we look at your birth. We pray it in your name. Amen.